Good morning or afternoon for us. It's evening. Uh, we are still driving home from North Carolina where Lucy had to go on a whirlwind road trip for the girls and Fluffy here. Uh, we went up there to get her knocked up and then we're on our way home. So we're in Florida. This is the last leg of the trip and we wanted to get one more podcast in before we got home and got to have some wings. So this is Vicki, if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, with Heart and Soul Dog Training and Hope Service Dogs. And with me... It's Karen. It's Karen. Hope Service Dogs and Heart and Soul Dog Training. And since we've talked about things that annoy us, uh, we didn't even talk about... We talked about trainer stuff that annoyed us, training stuff. We didn't talk about everyone else and what they do. Uh, We talked about tasks, tasks that we love, that we hate, that we like ones that we don't teach, ones that we like to teach, ones that are useful and important, and ones that are... Uh, This is to talk about skills that your service dog needs to know before you even start training the tasks. Uh, So basically, this is going to be the foundations. This is going to be a key one, guys. You're going to want to take notes on this one, and on the last two. But this is going to be key foundations that you need to set your service dog prospect, your service puppy, up for success. You want to get us started, Karen? Yeah. So uh, first, you know, your Fab Five uh, is it? So number one, your dog, your service dog must have some kind of charged marker, whether it's a clicker charged clicker with dynamite or some reliable marker. What is a marker? A marker is a oh my gosh! There's all these lights. We're on the on the drive from uh, Jacksonville to Gainesville, and it looked like Christmas lights all in just one person's yard. It was really cute. I've never seen it before. I don't go this way all that often. Uh, anyway, a marker is a signal that tells the dog that I like what you did because you did that. Come to me, you get your reward. Exactly. But what you did that was freaking awesome. That's what a marker is. So most people use a clicker. Some people do want to use a verbal marker. The problem with a verbal marker is, Karen, do you want to go and get wings tonight? Yes. Well, my dog just came to me and wanted to treat because Karen said yes. You know, so we don't do that. It it don't fly that way. Uh, We don't want to do that. So we like something that sounds different from anything else that they're going to sound. And with the clicker, it's a little mechanical noisemaker. It goes... But the nice thing with it is there's no emotion. No emotion at all. So you don't say yes or yes or yes, which is me saying yes like a death metal singer. Yeah. That was that impersonation. Okay, so definitely you want to have a charge marker. I think that is huge. That is key. That is foundation to everything that you're going to do. What else you got for me, Karen? Uh, so... The next thing, foundation thing I would work on with a brand new dog would be focus. Yes. Yep. We want to do focus with the dog. And focus for us, how we define focus is I want the dog paying attention to me, checking in with me, looking at me without a verbal signal. Because if the dog is off in la la land and looking at everything but you, you cannot train that dog as easily. Yes, you can train it. But if that dog willingly offers you focus and is watching you and knows where you're at all the time, it is so much easier, so much better, so much nicer to train that type of dog. So we want focus. Now, whenever I want to ask for attention to me, I call it look. Yeah. And then if I want the dog to look at something else, I can call that watch. watch. 
So we have focus, look, and watch are three separate commands, right? But, but they all kind of play off of each other. And you do want to train in opposites. So teaching the look and the watch and then having that autofocus, which is where focus comes from, is autofocus, is nice. It's nice to have all of those. So you definitely want those. And I'm going to add in to help with focus, to help with concentration, is going to be box work. You're going to definitely want to do box work with that dog. Why do you do box work? We have talked about it before, guys. Go back, find podcast episodes where we talk about it. We'll do other ones in the future where we talk about it. But box work is to build concentration, focus, and stamina, too, in the dog. It teaches them consequences. Yeah, consequences when there's distractions. Consequences um, when there is a uh, uh, conflict. And to ignore uh, what's going on outside of the training. So you're going to get a dog, once he's in training mode, he's going to focus on you no matter what's happening around him. So that's part of what the box will help you achieve. Most definitely. I think that's, that's huge is to ignore those distractions. And we'll actually take the box with puppies and we'll go to Disney and we will do box work on the main streets there. And if the dog lifts up his head, we're done. We're done eating. You're, you're not eating anything else and you're hungry. Rest stops. We've done box work. Yes, we have. Yeah. When we travel, we love to travel with the pups. I mean, it's harder. It's a lot more work to travel with puppies, especially young, young, you know, eight, 10 week old puppies. We've done it. Um, It is harder to do it, especially when you do cross country road trips with them. But it's so nice because every rest stop, which trust me, when you travel with me, there's a lot of rest stops because I need to get out and stretch my legs some and I need to pee. But uh, what we do is we get the pups out there. We'll maybe do a little bit of training. On the way to Missouri, we have our favorite rest stops that we always make sure we stop at. And, you know, we just get some time. The dog gets some side time in the grass and the dirt, smelling different smells and doing different training. So we will. We'll do the box work there. We'll do some look at me. So it's not just, you know, at our normal haunts. It's everywhere. Everywhere training can happen. Not just these special places where you like to train. So we'll get the dogs. A young pup, we like to capture behaviors because if we... If the dog thinks that he invented the behavior, um, he's more likely to repeat it and do it again and do it with more heart and soul. So with young pups, we love to capture and mark those behaviors, and then once we love it, we name it. So, um, so that's the next step we would do is capture those downs, those sits, those stands those yeah yeah how do you think we got atlas such a great down and that was a struggle do you remember that yes that was a struggle he was about 11 12 weeks old and he did not like to down and we just waited him out helped him out coaxed him through it a little bit but it was patience and now down is one of his favorite things to do and gypsy that's where we got the idea was playing with gypsy at first and so a lot of times it's learning off of our own dogs and what works yeah. and what doesn't. At the same time, we start tactiles very young. Yes, they I was going to mention yeah. that. Yeah. We don't do uh, operant capturing behaviors uh, independent of tactiles anymore. We do them at the same time, at the same age. We yeah. don't wait until they're older to start tactiles. No. no we're doing that very young. Yeah. Yeah, we want so. to make sure that the dog understands 
uh, what it is and, and that he's comfortable getting in those positions and that we get the right positions and we don't get sloppiness. And they're okay with us touching no matter what body part too. Yeah. So, oh, and yeah. that's something we, we start when they're tiny infants that we just carry on throughout their, their youth. So, um, and we use it and the tactiles evolve into teaching the positions and we start naming them with tactiles as well when we like it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we do. So then you get your fat five, your sits, your downs, your stands, your stays. Um, commonplace. Commonplace. That's your fat five six. right there. Or six. Because yeah, you added a stand. Yeah. That's but it's right. just fine. But we always forget stand, and it's an important thing for a service dog. Yes, because we do want to train in opposites. And if you have sit and down, and this is going to go over a lot of your heads, and that's fine, but come back to this a few times, and as you learn more, you'll, it'll make more sense. If you only train sit and down, if the dog's in sit and you tell him to do something, he's going to assume it's down. And if he's in down and you tell him to do something, he's going to assume it's set. Okay? Now, first, not every dog, not many dogs, know if they're in a sit and you tell them to sit, a lot of them will drop it to a down. But by adding in that third thing, by adding in that stand, now you're adding in uh, the question of what is it? I don't know. So it helps get rid of that anticipation of well I'm in this position it must be this position that's next and instead there's that that question of I don't know which one it's going to be so now I'm going to listen now I'm going to pay attention and see which is pretty cool yeah okay so we've got tactiles we've got the basics we're also going to add in some creativity yes. to the pup and for that it's going to be clack clack it's going to be uh, the target stick it's going to be the bump it's going to yeah. be the cone yeah. It's going to be anything creative, backing up, you know, teaching the dog not only how to learn, but how to think yeah. and what to do, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's very important for a young pup. Uh, we try not to start leash work until they're at least three months old. And why is that, Karen? Uh, because that uh, it affects their hips and their joints. Uh, you don't want a, a dog pulling from their neck. Uh, if they're on a leash, you'd rather have them on a harness. Um, and you, you don't want them pulling against What type of leash. harness? Uh, five, uh, seven, is it seven point and five point harness or something like that? A, a, not a no pull harness. So if not you have a no, a no pull, pull harness, that is not, not what, what we're, we're talking about. about. We're talking about a well fit harness with a connection in the back. back. Basically, you're just leading the pup out to do potty work, um, to do potty on leash. That's where your primary thing with leash, and then you're clicking them to come. And basically, the, the leash is not taught uh, up until three months old. Yeah, yeah, three so. months old, they're you know they're getting a little more secure, a little more stable. You've had a month of clicker, fun shaping stuff. A month of them, you know, doing well, and then you can start adding in that leash work about three months old. Now, three months old with leash work, it's great because then you can start introducing it and they get it a little bit more. But you want to watch the tools and equipment that you use on your puppy. You want to use the best for the dog, not necessarily what you think would be the best for your dog. And most time, prong is a very good tool that puppies are very responsive to at three months old. Yep. So, not a slip lead. Yes. Um, not a flat collar. Not a flat collar. That's a 
very, when you're introducing the leash work now, you should have your come, your, your um, come when called down very good with that clicker already. Yeah. So that little pop of the leash is going to be brand new, uh, from the prong is going to be brand new for, it's going to be a new sensation. And it's going to be the silent way where you're telling the pup to come. You're going to pair it with that clicker at first. And uh, eventually, that little pop of the leash is going to replace the communication to come. Yes. So, to come in the direction. It's a direction. It's a steering a steering tool for your pup. Yes. Yeah, collars are steering. Yeah, and there's no reason at the same time, if you do it correctly, to introduce the e-collar as a to-do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times we'll wait until they're about four months old, so we have a month of clicker, a month of starting the leash, and then a month, you know, to start the e-collar. Yeah. I will do all of them at eight to ten weeks old for my personal puppy because I know what I'm doing. Yes. But if you don't, if you're learning this, how do you expect to learn it and teach it at the same time to a young, impressionable puppy? And what if you make the mistake? The, the risk for you, who's listening here, it might not be worth it. And even another professional who uses an e-collar, who has service dog experience, will not use it the same way we use it. Because everyone uses it a little bit differently. So while personally, yep, I've, I put eight-week-old puppies on prong collars, not a problem. And I've put... 10-week-old puppies on e-collars are not a problem. It's not something I recommend y'all do uh, just because the, the risk of doing more harm than good is there. Yeah. And you don't want to ruin your service dog or your puppy. So take your time doing it. In service dogs and in all dog training, sometimes guys slow is fast. and You don't want to push your puppy too much yeah. and it ends up in the crapper. Don't do it. It's not as fun. But don't have the training mean more to you than to the pup. And there's no... So what? If your dog learns to sit at 8 weeks old or at 12 weeks old or at 16 weeks old or at 6 months old, it doesn't matter. You know, I can train everything that the dog needs when they're 6 months old. It's not an issue. You know what I can't do? I can't go back in time and fix potty training. I can't go back in time and fix socialization issues. I can't go back in time and fix a lot of this stuff. So instead, what do you do is that's what your goal is. Your goal for that time, yeah, you can do the, the, the training stuff. What's more important is teach your dog a love for the clicker. Teach your dog potty training. Get your dog environmentally exposed. Do socialization. These are things we can't go back in time and fix. Teach your dog respect of thresholds and crates. And, and that crate is a safe retreat area for, for what them to relax in, where they can turn off the world. Yeah. Crates should not be a, a terrible prison. Yeah. You don't send your dog, your puppy to a crate as a punishment ever. So it's, they're, remember, they're den dogs and they're den animals. They love the crate and they will continue to love the crate as long as you don't use it inappropriately. Um, because they need to be able to have that's their own, where they can turn off. Yeah. You know, and recharge. Just and like, rest without little yeah. kids rubby fingers poking at them. Yeah. So, so crate training, continuing crate training at very young age, continuing strict schedule for potty. So many people do not have their pup 
ropes tethered to them. Yep. When they get them home, they have them running free in the house. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. That I don't understand. Do you take your infant child that just learned to walk at eight or ten months old and take the diaper off and let them just run around in the house? Woohoo! I mean, shake the peepees. Yeah. Yeah. No, you so. need to understand that it will come. So here's. What I do a lot of times with the dogs is I do a lot of training their first year. And then I can pretty much coast the rest of the time. And and not just the first year, but the first probably until they're about eight months old, nine months old, I'm doing a lot of training. And then, you know, then we'll work on tightening anything up that needs it. But by then, they're, they're, they're done for me. You know, my personal dogs, you know, they're service dog, they're doing well. And I can play with things like... Django doing the bitey stuff. That's pretty new. And, and he's, like I said, about two years old. So, you know, like, yeah, I'm not going to say I don't do anything with my dogs after that, but I've got the majority of it done. So now I have the rest of my dog's life to enjoy them. Yeah. And for them to be able to, you know, service dog work. Yeah. And from that leash work, you get your good heels, you know? Yeah. And, and from the clicker and the clack clack. Yeah. Clack, 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 clack. All these build on each other skill that we talked about helps with other skills as you advance up the line of difficulty and also help in teaching tasks so it's foundations are important and and routines and schedules just like any infant or you know of any species or any mammal you gotta have it routine of food we uh these puppies they work for their food there's no free there's no bowls of food or even water out left if you want to potty train puppies you can't keep the water free out there you know not not young youngs you know so we give them water times and then yeah you know they can tank up is what we call it they can tank up as much as they want to drink and then they're going to go outside and pee it out you know, but there's also, you know, as they get older, you don't want to restrict water too much because then they won't understand how they can do it on their own. Yeah. And living in Florida, we do that. But for young pups, you know, you do want to monitor their intake because if they're they're drinking five gallons of water a day, there's something going on wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to learn to self-regulate. They're not going to learn that the crate is not a place to, to urinate in or poo in or whatever if if you don't give them the chance to to learn what the feeling of fullness is and how to hold it and all that, if you if you have free water all the time, they're going to pee constantly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're just not going to, and you don't establish those habits. It's a lot on the you, the individual, on how successful your puppy is in those five six months it's a, a lot of work on you or the trainer yeah, yeah so whichever way you go um it is routines it's schedules it's it's uh motivate making sure that that motivation is coming from within that ignition is coming from inside that puppy you don't give that ignition that ignition comes from the puppy so, yeah well, what about caring socialization? Oh, my goodness. Hands down, the most important thing in the first 
first year life of any dog. So that means that I should take my dog out in public and every person I see should touch him and pet him and tell him how cute he is? Nope. <gasps> no, 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 no. And he should not go out in public to play with every dog around the world. That's okay. We'll just go to the dog park yeah. because he'll have friends there. It's about environmental exposure. I'm kidding. That's why we use a different term because socialization is, is like meeting everybody and environmental exposure is showing dogs these sounds, these sights, these smells are okay to exist with in your life and you still focus on your person, you know, so, um, and as they grow, as they're learning tasks, as they're learning skills, they experience the same sounds, the same smells, the same sights, tasking, doing skills, repeat and more intensity and more duration and more um, closer distances to you know sometimes you're starting from far away or lower sounds to more intense sounds and to the point where you can have your service dog right in front of a mar live marching band and his skin is shaking with the volume of the of the trombones and and he is not even phased he's focused on you yeah, yeah, because it's not about having people touch, because your dog has to learn to ignore people, ignore other dogs, not play with every dog that he sees. This is a big problem that I see. Yeah. Uh, but you need that. You need him to be able to ignore them, and how do, you, how, are, how do you expect that to happen whenever every dog he sees? Do you want to say hi? My dog wants to say hi. Is it okay if we say hi? Every person is, can, you, can I pet him? Uh, yeah, yeah, you can pet him. That'd be great. No, it wouldn't be great. That, Stop it. That's a bad habit. Your dog's going to expect to be petted. Um, you, the proper response should be, no, he's he's in training. He's learning to work. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, keep distance. Advocate for your dog. For your Tell baby. them it's COVID six yeah. feet away and whack him over the head with a stick. <laughs> it works. Hartman <laughs> did it. It worked out really good. Yeah. So... But, and with you advocating for your dog like that, for your puppy like that, your puppy won't be begging for people to throw food at him or pet him or whatever, and he'll be paying attention to you and tasking for you properly, like he should be when, as he gets older. So here's going to be a little side note. Whenever people come out for evals, because we offer those, if you guys want to come out and meet up with us, we are happy to do that. You come to the farm. And on a, you know, you make an appointment, you don't just show up. <clears throat> but you come to the farm, we sit down, we discuss what your needs are, what your goals are, where your dog is, what your dog needs, what your dog has, and how we can help you get there, and which program of ours would be the best program for you. So when dogs come out, now this is service dogs, pet dogs, dogs with behavior issues, you know, so we see all types. But I don't pet and love on the dog, I observe. And I can learn a lot more by observing than I can be by, oh my God, your dog's just the cutest dog in the world. Oh my God, I must touch him. Let me touch him. I don't have to. I have my own dogs that I touch. I get Gypsy's usually under my chair because that is her favorite position. So she's under my chair. So I don't have to worry about that. And it's funny because sometimes I'll get comments from, from owners that they're just amazed that I'm not making a fuss over their dog. Yeah. And I had one of them when we were in Gainesville still, who was offended that I wasn't touching and loving on her dog and telling her dog how pretty he is. Yeah. 
the dog was acting like a jerk. Like, why would I do that? I'm not going to do that. Your dog has to be able to calm down and realize not everybody he sees is going to do that. But you know what? It, it tells you a lot. It tells you a lot about the dog, a lot about the relationship, a lot about what they expect. You know? So, yeah. So, I don't do that. I don't make a big to-do and love on the dog and... You know, I'm watching. I'm watching everything that dog's doing. So, a lot of times, I'll ask, "Show me what you got. You've got." Yeah. You know, um, what is that? The is situation. Yes, is situation. You know, and it is of the individual as well as the dog. Yeah. So, so what happens? Does the dog pull on the walk up? Uh, is the dog obedient at, at heel and listening and looking at the owner? Is the dog looking at everything else except the owner? Is the dog pulling? Is the dog jumping? Is the dog sitting politely while you open up the gate to come in? Is the dog jumping out of the car before you have a chance to put their collar on? Is the dog whining? If the dog whines, do you pat the dog to kind of get him to calm down and be good and show him that you love him and that you're there for him? That's not the right thing to do. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, you know, what is going on here? Is the dog able to settle down and relax nicely? Or is the dog panting? Is the dog pacing? Is the dog shying away from us? Is the dog growling at us? You know, what is the dog doing that's what's called the is situation guys but what and i can learn a lot just by watching and not talking i'm actually listening to an audiobook and i think it was the audiobook but it was something and it said that uh when you say maybe it was tiktok i'm betting now it was tiktok (laughs) um i get a lot of stuff from tiktok lately but it was when you talk you're saying things that you already know when you listen you might learn something new I like that. I have to like cross stitch that onto a pillow for my husband and my child so I can throw it at them whenever they talk too much. But it's true. I can learn a lot just from watching, just from listening. You know, I had, (laughs) we had one time a woman had come out and this was COVID, COVID lockdown. She still wanted to come out. I said, that's fine. We just will mask up. We'll keep six feet distance between us. Um, she was offended that we were outside. Well, I told her we were going to be outside. You know, I wasn't allowing people into my house. At the end, she said she had to use the restroom. Should, could she use ours or should she go, um, what is that, a mile and a half yeah. down the street and use the, the gas station? And I said I would prefer that she would go down and use the gas station because, again, COVID. Yeah. You know, I didn't want people in my house because COVID. Yeah, that and was the early part. Yeah, and this was early that people weren't sure exactly what all was going on, but it was a service dog one, so a lot of those could be emergency medical stuff. So, you know, we were still operating, but like I said, we had structures in place, and, you know, I preferred doing video or phone call emails, but if if they wanted to come out, we just kept six feet. So she was annoyed that I wasn't offering her drinks, but she had said she was thirsty, and the husband said right away, want me to get your drink from the car? And she said, oh, that'd be great, like right as soon as they got there. So, yeah, but she, she was complaining about those things. That I didn't let her in the house to use the bathroom. That I didn't offer her water. That I didn't touch her dog and love on her dog. And I ignored her dog the entire time. Well, honey, I didn't ignore your dog the whole time. I watched your dog the whole time. I saw what your dog needed. Yeah. And, you know, and, and this was one of those, the dog's not, not right for being a service dog. But, you know, sometimes they don't like to hear that. Which, I'm sorry, but... You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. There's some honest stuff going on. And I try to wrap it up as pretty as I can. You know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. But sometimes it's better to start with a dog that is suitable for the task at hand. 
son, and this was a dog who hated people, hated crowds, and her goal was to take it to Disney and Universal. I said, that's not going to happen with this dog. I remember that one. Yeah. I felt bad for them. But anyway, so what else does your dog need? So your dog needs socialization. Your dog needs to ride in a car. Your dog needs to get to the vet. Your dog needs to get comfortable with having nails trimmed and to be brushed and to have teeth checked and ears checked and ears cleaned out. All of that stuff needs to be done. Needs to be okay in long downs underneath tables, tucked under chairs. Curled up. Curled up, yeah. And a tight curl. And a tight curl, not just lying underneath. It must be in a tight curl. It must be a tight curl. Tight curl. Yes, we will check out compasses and take ruler measurey things. Yeah. And if the angle is not correct, then we will fail you. We will fail you. Yeah. No. It's a joke. It's a joke. I'm kidding, guys. Yeah. Not really, but I am. Haha, or am I? There's a story behind that. There's a whole story behind that one. Um But yeah, so so you know you want to set your dog up. So you need to be able to ignore people, ignore dogs, ignore distractions. If there's things that frighten your dog, if he hears fireworks and he startles, or, uh, you know, maybe you're driving down the road and a semi's tire blows and it makes a loud pop and it startles your dog. You know, what do you do? You laugh it off. (laughs) Why is because you don't laugh whenever you're nervous or upset or scared or worried about things. So if you're nervous, what do you do? You tighten up on the leash. Yeah. And that's not, <clears throat> you're not good for your dog. dog. to learn that there's something to be afraid of. Yes. Something to avoid. Scaredy scared. Yeah. Um, and we don't want that. Yeah. So you've got to be aware of what you're doing and how you're communicating down that leash. We actually had, was it the frozen litter? Yeah. Was it the house out at my house? And it yeah. was summertime. So early summer, springy stuff. But there was a thunderstorm, and so, you know, you could hear thunder, thunder, thunder. And the puppies all froze and kind of looked up. It was the first time they actually heard real thunder that wasn't on a recording. Yeah, so Karen plays, that's all she plays at her house when those puppies are little, little, or sounds, you know, sound loops. So it'll be horses, so sometimes when I'm over there, it feels like I'm in a western. Sometimes I feel like I'm in an African, or Amazon and rainforest. Uh, You know, like she has all these sounds and stuff going. But this is actual thunder, and the puppies all kind of froze and looked, and I laughed, and they got right back to playing. Yeah. And then I got my phone out because yeah. I thought this would be great to record, and I recorded it, yeah. and it happened again, and maybe half the puppies did it, and I laughed, and then they were good. And then the third time, they didn't care. Yeah. And in one fell swoop, because I'm a professional and I know what to do in this situation, the puppies are fine. They're not going to have yeah. a lifetime fear of thunder like some of the dogs do. So, yeah, even though I expose them to recorded stuff, it's different than the real stuff. Yes. So you have to continue desensitizing them to as real sounds, as real events happen. Continue that desensitization. Because we did it when they were tiny doesn't mean it's completed by the time they're eight weeks old. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and so, this was pre-eight weeks old. Yeah. And so, so that will that applies even to as your service dog is is maturing. You know these. These so-called fear periods, I wonder how much of that is not um, scientific because I have, what, 
how old is Fluffy now? Seven months old? I think so. And I haven't found a fear period yet in him. No. I think it has a lot to do with how how you um, how you approach new things. Definitely, I think so. And how you've taught your dog to deal with new things. Yeah. So. And fear periods can happen in a blink, or they can be a few weeks long. So, you know, will Fluffy have fear periods? I don't know. I haven't experienced any. And I take him all kinds of places. He's on this road trip now because he needs to be. I, he's going to be a he's going to be a full fledged service dog. He needs to be able to go on wherever I go, no matter how uncomfortable it is. You know. True. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. We want that. We want him out in a boot. In a boot. This is saying Canada. And that's why Ross is here too. She's currently my service dog in Fluffy's training. So. Yeah, I didn't bring Zoe either. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also nice, so, because we're traveling as two females, my alarm went off, and we had to start up again, so there might be a wee bit of an overlap, but uh, we have, yeah, so it's two women on this road trip, um, not across the country, we've done those ones too, and two golden retrievers, so we also brought Ross, so we have some muscle, and we have a Malinois to have our back and to watch those doggos. And we've used candy for that. We've used Django for that. Yes, we have. Yeah. You know, so I get it, guys. I understand the whole, I don't want to travel with just a fluffy golden, but whatever it's a service dog, you need to travel with a fluffy golden. You want a personal protection dog? Then you go to the professionals and you get one. That's not us. That's don't contact nice. me for a personal protection dog. No. Unless you want to get on the list for a Ross and Django puppy. But yeah. then you need to find somebody else to do the training. And we have people we can recommend oh, for yeah. it. So, yeah, so we have those, and we want what's best for you guys. We want you to have the easiest time training up your service dog. And here's one other thing is, when's a dog done training? Never. Never. They're never done training, guys. Never done training. There's always stuff that you can work on, stuff that you can do, stuff that you can continue with with your dog to make it better. And there's sometimes you're going to find your dog has quirks. Well, guess what? Every person has a quirk. Apparently, I'm bossy and full of myself. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. But you know what? If I was a guy, it wouldn't be considered bossy. And I know it all. Oh, and I'm not humble. Oh. I'm the least humble person you've ever met, man. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't understand people. Yeah. But, but no, you have that. You have that you need to, you know, it needs to go well. And not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. You know, there's a job that dogs were bred for, and you're taking hundreds of years of training. Yes. Equal the breed. So one of the things, oh my gosh, with the Jurassic Park movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I think it was one of the Jurassic Worlds. Yeah. Rich had commented something, and I'm going to totally get this wrong, but it's similar to, uh, you can't have the characteristics of a predator without having a predator. Right. And it was regarding, I think, blue. Yeah. You know? in one of those uh these velociraptors or i don't know what it was yeah they're trying to make blue into a pet right and so yet the genetics were still there 
And so Rich comments that, and he said, you know, we just saw Jurassic World. I love this line in it. And it was, you know, you can't have the characteristics of a predator without having the, do- the, the animal being a predator. And right away, the comments back, the responses back were, are you talking about pit bulls? Pit bulls aren't predators. And he says, what the heck are you talking about? He said, the people like to say, what is it, that um, body follow, form follows function. That's what they say. Form follows function, which means that your body will change to do what it is that you need the dog to do. So if you need a golden retriever to swim in the water and grab the ducks and bring it back to you. And have a soft mouth. They're going to have a soft mouth. Because you don't want the ducks crushed. Exactly. Um, They're going to have a sense of smell and sight to locate the ducks. They're going to have the ability to swim well and to enjoy the water. They're going to be friendly with people. You're going to get hunting dogs like beagles that like to be in a pack. Yeah. And they'll bah, bay. I guess that yeah. wasn't a good bay. But they'll bay in order to call the cat pack together. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it doesn't mean that they're going to have necessarily up ears. But if you look at the, uh, um, what is it, the silver fox experiment. Yeah. You know, with all they did was go for the nicest foxes. The most tame foxes were bred together. And then the became more and more like floppy ear dogs. Yeah, they got spots. They got different colored coats. They got floppy ears. They started wagging their tongue, wagging their tail. More and more like your your very nice domestic dog. Yeah, like you know their hair, their fur got longer, didn't it, or shorter? Yeah, even their their coats changed when they were just breeding for temperament. So for that, you know, does form follow function? Well, their function wasn't to be a pet. They just chose the nicest ones. Right. So whenever people want, you know, the and their ears got floppy. They were prickier yeah. dogs that got floppy. So prickier was the more aggressive yeah. And if you think about it, you know, why do people like yeah. German Shepherds? Why do people like Dobermans yeah. with their ears cropped? Why do people like Malinois? Because they have those prick ears. What about Siberian Huskies? What yeah. about Malmutes? Yeah, they all have those prick ears. What a, yep, child. Yeah. And what about the nice sweet dogs? They have floppy down ears. Yeah. What about Dobermans? Who they crop them? Well, does it change it? I don't know. I'm not. I don't know everything. People like to think I do. I don't. But if if you want a dog to help you versus a dog to protect you, that's two different types of dogs, guys. Yeah. You know, and you need to have have a hard time making a Malinois mouth soft. Right. uh, When they've been bred to bite hard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Rue, my border collie, he loves to herd up the goats and the cows. Yeah. That's his favorite thing is to herd them up. And now we got rid of his favorite play toys, which were herding up the cows. Yeah. So what? he's probably going to substitute herding up the goats and the chickens. With yeah. Them, you know? Oh, he's herded the chickens before. And then he tap dances because he gets them in a little circle. And he's so proud of himself. Yeah. You know, but this is what the dog was bred for. Yeah. And whenever you try to take something that the dog was bred for, like herding... And say, instead of that, I want you to be a service dog. He was not happy. And we know that going into it. But we want to try and see. And from here on out, I don't think I'll worry about it. I think I'm just doing Goldens for myself from here on out. Um, you know, just see see how things go. I'm not saying you can't do that. but You have a higher washout rate. You have a higher washout rate. And the dog won't necessarily be satisfied in the work you're choosing for him. Yeah. So it's like saying, Karen, you love being a nurse and you love saving people's lives at work. I want you to go work at McDonald's. 
And you're like, no, like, I like to save, I like to train dogs. You know, and you can say, Vicky, no, I want you to go work at McDonald's. I don't want to. I want to, I want to train dogs. I want to train people. I want to get people a better life with their dog. I want their dog, you know, to be able to help them. I can do this. I'm good at it. Force me to do it. I will do it, but I won't do it with heart and soul. Yeah. You know, and that's why we're heart and soul. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You betcha it is. Yeah. So we will tell you the truth if, if a dog doesn't have it in him, whether it be because of breed or whether it be because, you know, the dog just doesn't have it in him. Yeah. You know, that that's just not what they want to do. Um, you got to be truthful. It's what I do. It's what I live for to help poor, unfortunate souls like yourself. That was a line from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so there's a lot that needs to be done. You know, you want to express your dog proprioception. Oh, yeah. You need to teach your dog awareness of his body in space and time yeah. because he's part time lord. So you need to get that and you need to get the dog over things. You need to teach the dog. You need to get grooming going with your dog. Not just brush nails, eyes, ears, all of that fun stuff. You need all of it. Especially if you choose a poodle or any doodle mix. Doodles will shed. And they need grooming. Yes, they do. They need a lot of grooming. We have seen some pretty poor maintained doodles. Yeah, and poodles. Yeah. And And if you come to me for a board and train and your dog isn't groomed to what you want, then he'll be groomed to what I want, which is going to be shaved off. Defeating the whole hyperallergenic thing if your your poodle is not being groomed regularly. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know what kind of stuff is being held in that nasty coat. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Oh, I didn't know you had a Chinese market over here. Oh uh, yeah. Chongqing yeah. Market. I we Rich, Luke's gonna want to stop there. Yeah. It's a yeah, big yeah, it is. That was huge. I don't remember seeing that before. We are in Gainesville now, by the way, guys. I haven't lived here in over four years, so I like to see what's all changed whenever we come by. Uh, but yeah, so so there's a lot. There's so much more too, and and we have some of it. We'll do a puppy workbooks and stuff just to help keep people stay on track. And sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming, but we want to have everything written down for people so they can understand that it is a lot of work, and it's not just a dog that you'll get around to training maybe five minutes a week. It needs to be a part of lifetime. Karen had mentioned about tethering. I love tethering. You need to tether that puppy to you. That puppy should be out and about with you. And not all the time, not every day, but do an outing. So don't go to the grocery store, which is Publix around here. Don't go to Publix to get your full giant order for the next three weeks with your service puppy. Instead, go up and get your groceries, come home, put them away, take the puppy, take them out, do a training session for five minutes or under. Yeah, maybe get one or two things. Maybe don't even get anything. Maybe you're just going to be outside the door. Yeah. Just passing by that sliding glass door, that that air. Yeah, the air comes in and out that opens and closes on its own with the carts right there. Yeah. You know, and and just sit down and watch people go by. We did that with Atlas a few times at Winn-Dixie. Yeah. Just sat there and he got to see the people come and go. so much learned just from that. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much to be done for the service dogs, you know, and, and it takes, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. You have to have that dedication for it, guys. And this is just a small sampling of some of the things that we do and that we work with with you. Um, 
for our owner trained programs, it's an owner trained program. We are there to help you. And if this has helped you, if this podcast has helped you or any of our podcasts have helped you, you know, like rate, share, subscribe, like us, like it, subscribe to it on wherever fine podcasts are listened to share it with your friends or with your enemies and, and subscribe to us and then rank us. You know, we like the five star. We try to be honest about it. I'll be honest there. The five star makes me happy. It's that little yay. Okay. So this is Victoria. This is Karen. Uh, We are with Heart and Soul Dog Training, where we help you train the dog that you have to be your service dog. And then we also have Hope Service Dogs. Through Hope, we breed European show line Golden Retrievers, European show line Dobermans, and standard poodles that are not European show line. They're standard poodles. Um, Now, Baby Daddy is a UKC champ, so they're yeah. technically show line poodles, also, yeah. but they're not European. Um, we we try we breed them and then we train them up as service dogs. So if you get a puppy from us, be it pet or therapy dog or service dog, we will help you train that puppy through Hope. And the nice thing with Hope is Hope is a five hundred one c three nonprofit, which means you can do fundraising to help cover expenses, and expenses are a tax write off. Yay, we're tax write off. We have puppy training puppies yes we do training program four months is it four months or yep they would go home at six well, six months old and then we also have the eight week eight week so the puppy program. can go home at eight weeks old 12 weeks old 16 weeks old or six months old or longer we can always yeah. customize something for you yeah the information is up on the website um and the price does include the cost of the puppy for those programs yes and then we also have training where they come back as adults and this is the training and it's funny, sometimes people tell me, I think my dog needs like five days worth of training. And I say, no. <laughs> you know, your dog's an aggressive one who's trying to kill me. That's not going to be five days. Yeah. So we do, usually our board and train for pet dogs is three weeks. Three weeks is a good amount of time. Two weeks. And the dog is just starting to show us his true colors. Yeah. So two weeks is too, too, little. too little. And then we used to do four weeks. And four weeks was just a little bit too long. And some dogs would start, you know, licking themselves at night and getting lick granulomas and stressing out a little bit more than what they should be. And from where they were at three weeks to where they were in four weeks, there's not enough growth in in the dog to okay that. So what we did is, um, this part we were at a lot because we used to live up and around there, um, you know, to okay that. So we we now do a three-week for puppy and then for service dogs it's a five week or a three month and why can they handle that whereas i just said about the lick granulomas because the service dogs should not be in there for anxiety stuff should not be in there for pet stuff and And we have so much that we're doing with them and we need to get them out and about yeah a lot of outings with those service dogs yeah and task training you know there's a lot more to it that we need to account for and that three weeks comes with 30-day program and it's so essential that you utilize that 30-day program and check in afterwards otherwise you you're wasting the training the valuable training that that your dog just went through yeah 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 so and some people i'm sure you know think oh but there's still work involved and i'm sure for a lot of people it's my dog is so much better than i ever expected this is amazing but we still like to be there and to hear how the dogs are doing so yeah without checking in we can't work through with whatever issues you have with the 30-day program and what whatever issues your dog is still working through correct yeah so 
Yeah, and there will be some backslides, just like any program. If you go and you pay for counseling, you pay for, for skills, and you don't utilize it, you're going to forget them. Uh, but anyway, check us out. Hope Service Dogs uh, or Heart and Soul Dog Training, Heart Soul K9 on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I'm Dog Trainer Vic. Because uh, I changed my name on there because that was funner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're everywhere, guys. You can't get away from us. And then, of course, our podcast here, which is Service Dog Secrets. And that's it. Until next time. Bye. Bye.